Hello, and welcome to the Revive Church podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Massey teaches us today on the importance of giving up. In Romans 12:1, it says that we should present ourselves as a living sacrifice. This seems like an oxymoron or a contradiction. How can we be living and dead at the same time? It doesn't say present your bodies to a sacrifice. It says to present ourselves to a living death. So much of our efforts lead to stress and anxiety. Yet if we give up on our own efforts and trust in God's provision and calling, that is when true fruit and peace and joy and success happens. Is it because we are not confident that he will come through with what he has promised? Pastor Massey shares some of his own story and life experience as someone who has always plowed forward for God, mostly in his own effort. He learned that giving up his own agenda and replacing that with God's agenda leads to peace, not stress, not anxiety. There is good in giving up. Let's hear from him in the way that only he can do it. Be sure to listen to the end for some important information about Pastor Todd's new book. So I'm preaching uh, today on a sermon called Give Up. I'm not kidding. It's what it's called, Give Up. There's a reason for that. I was... uh, I'll get into that in a minute, but I felt the Lord tell me, when are you going to give up? And I'm, this is coming from me who doesn't like giving up. I hate quitting. I hate it. I got to work, you know, and I got to do something. And uh, tonight we're just going to start off with a scripture that I find that we've read, but I think sometimes, you know, how like you know it, but you don't know it because you don't really stop and just like study it. And I remember one time Pastor Todd told me, when you start reading scripture, read it slow. So you can catch every ounce of the word. And sometimes I hear him preach on Sundays. I'm like, man, I got to read slow word. That kind of revelation is crazy. So Romans 12, Romans 12, 1, who's got their Bibles? You know that thing with a binder? It's got pages in it. It's amazing. Holy smokes. We need one of those now. But if you guys have your uh, iPhones, iPads, Androids, open your app to uh, Romans 12, 1. <laughs> Here's what it says. Therefore... I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Isn't that the biggest oxymoron ever? Present your bodies a living death sentence. I just sat down and thought about it, Georgia, both Georges, not you here, both Georges, Georgia times two. I was sitting there thinking about it, I was reading it, and I'm thinking, why would you say a living death sentence? That makes no sense, right? And what does it mean to give up? It means to finally be surrendered in here to do what he's called you to do. It's time to start resting in his promises, folks. It's time to start thinking how he thinks. Because a lot of the times, I'll get into that. I just thought about it and I said, you know, present your bodies as sacrifice acceptable. You ever notice the Bible doesn't say present your bodies as sacrifice? It doesn't say present your bodies to death. It says present your bodies to a living death. Isn't that weird? The word living actually means to quicken yourself, to be alive, right? And so I'm thinking, how can you be alive when you're killing the flesh. I don't, it doesn't make sense. And here's exactly what it means. And, and, and so before I explain, I'm going to tell you 
why you need to give up. I was on a getaway. We went to, the, uh, to, to, a, to a place in Tennessee. Uh, this is our second year going. Um, and it was the coolest time. I, I was sitting outside in the porch. And, uh, you know, I, was, I, I got to be blessed to wake up several mornings in the morning and watch the sunrise over the mountains. Have you guys ever done that before? And I was watching the sunrise, and it was like the coolest thing. And, and the first time, for the first time in a long time, I sat there thinking to myself, I'm the most insignificant person on the earth. There is, I add nothing to this world. I don't add anything to the rising of the sun. I don't add anything to the leaves except carbon dioxide. Right? I don't add anything to anything. I realized something, sir. When I left, did you know Revive Church kept going? It's crazy. I know. Who'd have thought? I realized when I left and I was gone, self-evident, the ministry I have kept going. I realized that when I was gone, people's lives kept moving. Isn't that awesome? You don't need me. No, hang on, hang on. I, this is being serious. I was, I was sitting there thinking before God, Lord, I'm small. I'm the smallest piece in this cog of life. I feel like whatever I was putting my hand to, I was thinking to myself, Lord, my, my, my work ethic is this. You know what, you know what ministry spells to me? Work. Since I was 15, all I've known is a work ethic. I've worked hard my whole life. When I was seven and a half years old, I was working in bean and beet fields, literally 10 hours a day. That's just how we grew up. My father's a migrant worker, so I just re- that's how we were raised. We would just work and all those things. When I turned 15, I could actually work, work. So I worked at a subway because hallelujah. And, and so subway was great, and it taught me a work ethic. Then I turned 16. I got a full-time job while I was in high school. I love to work. And so my whole life has just been work. And just pound hard and make sure you're doing what you're doing is good. Make sure it's excellent. Make sure you're cut above the rest. So when I was a kid, I worked hard at Image. Everybody had to see me as Massey the fun guy, Massey the happy guy, the cool guy, right? And then when I turned into a young adult, I lived for success. So guess what happened? I opened a couple businesses. I started to live for myself because I thought, you know, this is the way to do it. And I told myself, and this is what's so awesome about God. I told God when I'm 25, I'll be a millionaire. I'll have three kids, a house paid for, and all that stuff. And then I got saved at 20. And none of that happened. <laughs> I think the prayer was answered in heaven. The mansion's up there somewhere, right? <laughs> Praise God. So then I got saved. And then I started saying, I got to do everything I can for the Lord. Because Matthew 5, 16, right? Let your light shine before men so that men may glorify your works and see your good works and glorify your father. That was my motto. It was like, I, ha- I have to do something for God. Because God saved me, right? And and when he saved me, he radically transformed me, saved me from suicide. And I thought, what else can I give to you except what I almost killed myself for? So now I've been preaching since 2001 and I've been a Christian and we've done some really cool, amazing ministry and seen some things. And I'm out there last week at the mountain saying, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I can do nothing to make this happen. And it was the most reassuring feeling I've ever had in my life. For the first time, he actually told me, when are you going to give up? When are you going to stop and trust me, kiddo? When are you going to put down your works and trust me that those works that you're doing should come from me, not from you? This is 20 years, guys. What I love is, I love this family stuff because you can be honest and open with you, right? We can be honest. We can be open about this. I realized that a lot of my works is just like, this is how I think. This is how I think. My thinking's always been, I think of, I was telling my wife, do you think I've mellowed out over the years? No. 
I strive even more. Man, if, if I don't see a door, well, dang it, I'm going to put C10 in front of it and blow that door open. That's just how my mind is. Because guess what? I have to succeed. That's how it is. I got to make sure that we're moving forward. Guess what? The nation is dying, Lord. I got to go do something. Lord, there's souls everywhere. We got to go save them. Lord, we got a church that needs to grow. Father, send us the people. I'll do it, Lord. I pray this. I used to pray this all the time. You know, if people don't want to use their, their gifts, I'll take them. Whatever they don't want to use, I'll take. I'll do it. It's my mindset. And I, this is how I would think. I still have this passion. Sometimes I can't rest until things change. I can't rest until the church is settled. I can't rest until our kids are stable and have the mind of Christ. I can't rest until everyone knows that, uh, that, that, that I know is in a state of brokenness and repentance towards God. That's a mission. Lord, I can't rest until I know our team is doing okay here at the church. I can't rest sometimes until I know the nation and the cities change for liberty. I can't rest until all my work is done. Folks, when is the work ever done? Somehow I thought that one day I'll finish my work. You know that Paul said, I've run my race. I didn't finish my work. I run my race. I kept the what? Faith. I didn't keep the works. I kept the faith. I kept the faith. How many can relate to that? How many of us know we have burdens from God? And if you just pray that extra prayer, man, he'll answer. If I just labor a little bit longer, he'll answer. If I fast an extra month, he'll hear me this time. When he promised he would hear you the moment you opened your mouth. There's the rest. Folks, you know how bad it is? Brother Delafab, I bet you if I promise you I'll give you 100 bucks on Friday, you believe me because you, I'm a man of my word, Correct. Anyone in here, if I said, I'll give you a hundred bucks this Friday, I'm a man of my word, right? You're going to be like, man, he's going to give me a hundred dollars on Friday. Pay day. It's all about the Benjamins, right? You would trust my word that on Friday, I'll give you a hundred dollars, but Christ has written promises from the foundation of the world. How many of us don't believe it? How many of us need to go back to the promises of God and say, Lord, you promised this. You're a man of your word. The word even says you're not a man that you should lie. How many times do we believe each other, but we won't believe the promises of God? That when he said, he who's begun a good work will perform it till the day of Christ. That he says, if you prove your ministry, he gave you the ministry, not you. How many of us know we've been laboring and travailing over our families to get saved? Who put that burden in you? Jesus, the spirit of God. Ooh, this is good. Come on. <clears throat> You know, I'm going to be honest here. I was getting really honest with the sermon. I was like, Lord, I really do that sometimes. Well, not anymore, praise God. I used to learn to trick myself into thinking I'm doing these works to the best of my ability so that God can move. How many of you guys can relate to that? I'm going to do it all so that God can move. If I prepare the way, he's going to do it. What did John the Baptist do to prepare the way? Preach Christ. He didn't prepare the cult for Christ. He didn't make sure to put the palm leaves down, did he? He just preached the glory of God. He preached what was to come. He preached the righteousness of Christ. And guess who came in? Christ. Preparing the way of the Lord is not workspace. It is all by faith. The cool thing about faith is though, the word, the word faith means activity. He will tell you what to do when you need to do it. This doesn't mean that I'm going to pull away from my work, man. I'm going to work like a dog no matter what. The difference is now is the work that I do 
the end result is not mine, it's his. When you pray for your family, it is not on your prayers that gets them saved. You're striving in prayer to change your situation. Can you imagine telling your kids, hey kids, guess what? I promise this is gonna happen this week. And they're like, okay dad. And then every two hours they were praying about the same thing. Not only were they praying about it, they were complaining about it. Not only were they complaining about it, they were bugging you about it. Not only were they bugging you about it, they were crying about it. Not only were they crying about it, they were whining about it. Brother, if you had your kids and you told them like the same thing, give them a hundred bucks and they bothered you every single 10 minutes about it. You said, I, I, I said on Friday, why do you keep bugging me about it? If Christ promised it, he will deliver. What does it serve you? Listen to me. What does it serve you to continuously go into prayer for the same thing that you know he's already going to answer? You know why? Because you don't believe he's going to answer it. That's the issue here. When I was laboring in self-evidence, her seventh year going, we're working on eight years now. I used to think, you know, we got to go reach the masses, man. We got to go out and preach. I got to go out and do this. And I got to, you know what? 2016, we started it and we said, we're going to do this. We're going to go reach the nation. We're going to reach the kids of the country. And this is where we're going to be in six years. We had a plan. (laughs) We had a plan. (laughs) Two years into the ministry, yeah, two years into the ministry, my wife finds Revive Church. Guess what happened? The plan didn't go to plan. He said, you're going to pastor, kiddo. Sure. How do you do that? I don't know. Do it. You're going to pastor. You're going to preach. You're going to be a part of a service. I realized something, that we have been more prosperous, me not putting my hand to self-evident and just submitting to his will than anything I would have ever done in the last seven years. I think what begins to happen in our walks is we try to get God's favor by doing more for him. How foolish is that, huh? It'd be just like your kids constantly saying, I need to do more for you, dad, for you to love me, for you to answer me. Man, maybe if I'm a little nicer, maybe if I do the dishes, maybe if I do this, and you're like, dude, I love you. What are you talking, what are you doing? It's the way he looks at us sometimes. Sometimes I could trick myself into doing the best of my ability so that God can move. And yet if I'm honest with myself, I'm doing these works because I feel that God isn't moving fast enough. There you go. I do these works because he's given me revelation, so therefore I must go deliver it because people must notice me at once. You hear me? You who have been given a word for ministry. He just said it. He got a word at 18, a dream. Didn't come to pass till 55. I got a word 14 years ago. I pastored. Didn't happen till four years ago. And sometimes we rush the works of God thinking that you got the word saying that I'm mature enough to do it and God hasn't called it to you yet. So then when you start to do it, you're finding yourself failing because he never called you to it yet in the first place. Or what about, again, our families? We say, Lord, I'm gonna leave my family in your hands. How many can relate? Lord, I leave my, my, my aunts, my uncles, my father, my mother, my kids. I leave them in your hands. And then when Thanksgiving comes around, you have to preach a sermon because you know if you just preach once, it'll save their life. All the while, God was telling you, let me do it. And we put our works in front of faith. We put our works... Sometimes we do the works because I know what God called me to, so it's on me to make it happen. Sometimes we do the works because I know God put a burden on me for me and my family for their salvation, so if I pray a little longer, if I scream a little louder, guess what? If we go to services where we lay flat on our faces for eight hours, every single day, God will move. 
He's already moving, folks. He don't need you to move. He's already moving. You know what your part is? Get in the flow. The only part you have to play is receiving what he's already given us. You can't pray in revival. Revival's already happening. It's been happening for years. The thing is, we didn't recognize revival. We thought revival was going to be like the old days, where it was going to be churches filling up, and there would be slain people in the spirit. You know what real revival is? In your home. Revival's in your home, men. When your kids are worshiping God with you, when they read the word of God with you. Women, worship is at home. Revival's at home. When you're taking care of things, and you see your husband and your kids reared up in the nurture and admonition of God because of your prayers, that's revival. You want to know where revival is? When families are healthy. What's the number one thing being attacked in our nation right now? Family. The marriage. The union. The covenant. They're going after our kids. Get your family right. Because guess what? Those kids will change a hundred more families. That's revival. I think sometimes we make big dreams about ministry. Do you guys know Paul never had something called Paul Christianship Ministries? He never had to advertise. He never had Instagram. He never had Facebook. He never said, hey, I'm charging 30 bucks at the door. He never advertised the worship services. He never said any of that stuff. He said, I've come to deliver the word of God, and we're going to establish churches to change the region. And they did it. He was faithful to his calling. That's it. He didn't do anything more or anything less. That's it. No, I'm not saying social media is all bad. It's cool that we get to advertise and you know, do that kind of thing. And it's great. But what if we depend too much more on the methods than the spirit of God that called you to it in the first place? Why? Think about that scripture we read, presenting your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, which is your spiritual service of worship. Sacrifice means submission or surrender. Worship means your service or your works to God. So what that means is I'm supposed to go submit myself to God and surrender. My living spirit inside of me now goes and does the service of God because he put it in me. Notice it doesn't say that you're supposed to present your bodies. It doesn't say you're supposed to present your soul. It says your bodies, okay? Because your soul is what your mind, will, and emotions. If you're led by emotions, folks, that's why some of us are in a lot of trouble. That's why sometimes we keep praying for the same things every Wednesday and Sunday, because we're led by emotion. We think God isn't answering. When he actually is answering, you're just not willing to hear it because he's not answering the way you wanted him to. You know what I've known is that every time I pray for something that needs to physically change in my life, he brings me down so he can bring me up. You know why? Because who gets the glory when you're down? He does. You ever notice, how many of you guys have been in this situation? We need a financial breakthrough, Lord. Come on, who hasn't? I need a financial breakthrough, Lord. Or I need a healing in my life, Lord. Or, Lord, I need something to break in my family. Do you ever notice you prayed and prayed and prayed and fasted and prayed and you sought and you sought and you sought and you've worshiped and you come to church and the moment you said, Lord, I can't do no more, he answers. And then he tells you so sweetly in your, in your heart, if you'd have just rested, I would have done it. If you'd have just rested, I had it. If you wouldn't have fretted, I'd have had it. I'd have had it. Uh, let's see. Let's expound on this. Matthew 11 said, uh, Jesus said, come unto me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know what he just said before that? He was actually talking, and <laughs> he was damning all the cities that rejected the gospel. 
You imagine that word? How come we don't talk about those words of Jesus, huh? Woe unto you, Chorazin and Bethsaida. It should be more tolerable for you than the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. It should be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than what's happening to you because you rejected me. God bless. <laughs> Shake the dust off your feet. What are you doing, right? We don't talk about those words sometimes. Christ was austere. He was a little harsh sometimes. He preached boldly the gospel. I love it that he hung out with sinners and publicans. I love that, but he never left them the same. You know what? He never left demoniacs the same either. He never left lepers the same either. And you notice he never strived in prayer like that. He was never like, Lord, I just, in Jesus' name, he would just say, get out in Jesus' name. In the name of the spirit of God, they would leave because there was a belief of faith in his heart. What is holy must cast out what is unholy. And sometimes we strive when it's like you already have faith, just believe it. Some of you in the room, he's, he's brought you here a lot, and that's good. This season of your life, he's moving it to here now in belief. You know how I know? Because I'm going through it too. So long I would strive to get things to happen. And the moment I put it down, the moment I realized, Brian, the moment I realized when I was out on the mountains, I'm like, Lord, I give up. I quit. I can do nothing anymore. Not quit the ministry. I just quit trying to do it. I am not even kidding you. Within three days, we had three phone calls to come out and speak. We had a friend of ours say, you know, I'm supposed to support. I'm going to do that. The more I quit, the more he does. Isn't that crazy? The more I give up myself, the more he, what a novel idea. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ that lives in me. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I am a bondservant of Christ, Paul said. He didn't have his own will. So what does a living sacrifice mean? You are living to Christ now. You don't have anything to offer. Your body is dead. You are now his bondservant. You are now his son and daughter. And the Bible says, if you're led of the spirit of God, you're a son or daughter of God. How many of us are dealing with something like this where we haven't rested in so long? How many of us are dealing with this? Right? I am. I am. I am so restless for this nation. I'm restless for this territory. Restless. Restless, restless, restless. That's all I think about. Lord, we need to go out and send more laborers. Thank God for the Delafobs. Thank God for people who step up like the McDonald's. Thank God for all of us who are spreading the gospel. Lord, bring them into the doors. Sound the alarms. Lord, bring them on in because we're here. We want to see them healed and delivered and saved. Father, that's what our mission is. I'm restless, but guess what? There's nothing I can do to save them, only Christ. So when we start giving up, he moves. When you rest, he moves. It says this, take, of me, or take the yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your what? Your mind, your will, and emotions will rest when you submit to God. <laughs> notice it didn't say submit with your spirit it said it will find rest for your soul your emotions will find rest your mind will find rest your will will find rest you don't have to strive anymore when you take on his burden notice what it says take my yoke upon you and learn of me notice he says this as well the yoke and burden are there he said, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Do you know a yoke was for oxen, right? That's what they put on themselves so that they can be steered by the thing. There was two oxen, that's what the yoke was. My burden. It doesn't mean it left you. The yoke and the burden are still there, but they're not yours. That's why they're light. 
They're not yours to carry. They're not yours to put on. Some of us say to God, Lord, I've finally given you my family, but then we take that yoke back and put it on ourselves. It is not your yoke to put on. And then some of us, because we put it back on, we feel condemnation because God isn't answering our prayers. When if you would just give the yoke back to him and let him put his yoke on you, you wouldn't feel condemnation. You wouldn't feel guilt and shame. You would be moved by the spirit of God to just say, Lord, I trust you. I finally trust you. Finally, I'm done. I'm done. I give up. I give up. I don't have anything to offer, Lord. You know, can you imagine being the disciples? How many fish we got, boys? Five. How many loaves we got? Couple. I think we can do this. I think we got a shot. Five, 5,000 people, no problem. God says, that's enough. That's all I've required. When you can finally say to yourself, all I have is five loaves and two fish, that's all he wants. And he wants to multiply it because you can't do the multiplying. He does it. Guys, listen. I don't know if you're getting what I'm getting or what I received. I hope this ministers to you in some way. When you can finally say I'm done is when he moves. When you can finally lay your burden at the cross and let him resurrect you, there's nothing like it. It is the lightest feeling in the world because it's not yours to carry anymore. The weight of the souls of man is not on me anymore. The weight of Revive Church isn't on me or Todd or pa Pastor Todd. The weight of the church isn't on Pastor Jan. The weight of souls isn't on you. It's on Christ. Just submit to him so he can show you how to save those souls. Submit to him so he can show you how to pray for your family. Did you guys know what the Spirit of God says that he makes groanings and utterings and intercessions for you? You're not the one praying. He is. You can't even pray on your own. He does all the praying. How many of you guys have ever been in prayer and you're like, what am I saying right now? Bless the Lord your God that you're doing that because that's the Spirit of God flowing through you. Sometimes when we get to pray for guys like Brad, I can see so clear sometimes. I can see so clear. I can see so clear, but it's like, Lord, you know, sometimes fear gets in you a little bit. And you're like, is that really, geez, should I step out on that one? Should I, should I say it? Should I not? And if you would just step and trust him, he gives you more. If you're just faithful to him, if you're faithful with little, he makes you faithful in what? Much. That's exactly right. Uh, the scripture in Isaiah 64, I'm almost done. For all of us have become like one who is unclean and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags, right? You ever heard that scripture before? All your righteousness are as filthy rags. It's like when you do works in your own self, when you pray in your own self, it's filthy rags. And guess what happens with filthy rags? Someone got to clean them. See? The more you do your works, the more filthy rags produce. And you know what you do to save yourself? You clean the rags for God, showing people that you have to do it. But when you operate in the righteousness of Christ, he gives you a robe, not rags. And the only thing God looks at is that robe of righteousness. Listen, isn't it crazy that Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they put little leaves together. And when God covered their nakedness, he took the sacrifice and clothed them. Something they couldn't do for themselves. You see what happens when you operate in righteousness? It's filthy rags. You want, you're still naked and you're dirty. That's what happens. That's where shame comes in. And when you can finally give it up and say, Lord, I want to operate in your righteousness, he robes you. 
And it's a unique spiritual move. It's something you can't even explain. I don't even know how to explain it really, except that I operate in a different faith. Like for real guys, when I'm up here, no devil in hell will tell me that he's more powerful than God. Now I'm down there going, Lord, what's going on? What are we doing tonight? Do you know, you know what I was wrestling with down here? I was, I was down here wrestling with uh, doubt. And here I'm talking about rest. And guess what I'm wrestling with down there? Doubt. You got angry today, bro. I heard it the whole time. I, I heard what you did in that office. You were really angry about that. I started to feel a little bit of shame. And then Todd was like, Pastor Todd was like, hey, we, do you got any words for people? I'm like, no, no, I'm good. And I had to tell myself, I did not save myself, Lord, you did. Would you cleanse me, please, so I can operate in righteousness again? The moment I started praying in the spirit, it started to leave. When I came up on stage, I'm like, I got nothing. The moment I step on stage is when things come. Then we go down and pray for Brad. And then Pastor Jan comes up and starts giving more words. And then the spirit of God starts to move because guess what? You're not operating in your own spirit. You're not operating in your own self. I finally rest in this. That guess what? You didn't save yourself, folks. And don't you let that devil tell you anything about your shame or your past or your sin. You who are dropped in sin right now, you who think that you can't survive or you have to do it all on your own because of the sin in your life, and you've never accepted Christ, listen close to me. Listen close. You can't do it on your own. You can't. All that sin that you commit before God is what put him on the cross. We condemned Christ on that cross as guilty, yet it was your sin that put him there. You know what's so cool, though? He willfully took it, that shame for you, just so that he could redeem you. Yeah, he chose you. Do you know how awesome it is? You can't truly love something if you don't choose it. And he chose you. You know why you're here? To get saved. Folks, you know some of you are here so you can get set free from your works and you can start operating in faith. Some of you are here to be set free from years of a mindset of, I'm supposed to be in ministry and nobody notices. If that's the way it's got to be, then you were never called of God in the first place. God calls you and God will let us know when things are supposed to move. That's how it is. Some of us are in here saying, man, Lord, I am so tired of praying for this situation in my life. And he's just saying, so am I. I'm tired of hearing you pray about it. I've already answered. Yes. You know, it's crazy. His promises are still yes and amen, right? His promises are still yes and amen. This is where it's at. This is where I end it. Why is it so hard to trust what we can't see rather than the things we can see? What is faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We rest in the promise of our brothers and sisters when they promise you help, right? But wasn't it God that said this? I will heal your land if you would turn from your wickedness. <laughs> he said, I will restore what the locusts have taken and eaten from you. He promised that I will give you wisdom from above when you seek me. I will make the enemies flee from, uh, from before you when you submit to me and resist him. He promised that I will cause your enemies to flee before you seven ways. He said that I will answer when you call on me. I will provide for your every need. He said, I will do those things, not you, not your prayers, not any of that stuff. You pray because you're making your petitions known to God. Not so that he can answer you, but like that he knows that you're crying out to him. Your prayer should be simply this. And I've noticed this in my whole, I don't know if you guys, how long anybody's been a Christian. It's my final point. When I start praying about myself, 
I start to complain. Does this make sense? Nobody notices me. This stinks. How come that guy's blessed and I'm not? And then, because he's faithful, the Spirit of God puts someone on your heart to pray for. And then he puts someone else on your heart. Then you start praying for the church. Then you start praying for the nation. Then you start praying for other kids. Then you start praying for things to move in the office. Then you start praying for breakthrough in people's lives. And then you start praying for marriages to be restored. And guess what? Your problem's left. So were prayers always about you? No. Your prayers, God will already transform you as you pray for others, as you give your life to others. When you rest in Christ, he's already saved you. He's already answered you. You just got to be ready and willing and open to hear it. Amen? Amen. Who's the prayer ministers? Can we get them up here, please? Did you guys get something out of tonight? Praise God. I pray you were ministered to because I didn't know how that one was going to go. I only had a page and a half. And I still preach for 40 minutes. <laughs> I'm kidding. The prayer ministers, I want them up here. Listen, I'm, my, my heart... And I was talking to Pastor Todd about this earlier today. I am tired. I am tired of being tired. Do you guys hear that? I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of allowing my flesh to rob me of the joy that's in Christ. I am tired. And I'm going to tell you something. If something can steal away the joy that you have in your heart, it never came from God in the first place. Because it's eternal. How many of you guys want your joy restored? How many of you guys want your prayers answered tonight? How many of you guys finally want to rest and submit to God in prayer? Amen? So, Father, we just ask in Jesus' name tonight, Lord, that you would receive our submission and our surrender tonight, and we would rest in the promises of God. That, Lord, every one of us in here in this room that have a prayer request, that, Lord, you would be on, 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 on their behalf. You would answer them and show them great and mighty things in which they don't even know. That, Lord, those that have never heard the voice of God, that they would hear the voice of God. You would open up their ears tonight to come up for prayer, Lord, and finally lay it down at the foot of the cross. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at reviveusnow.com. We're excited that Pastor Todd has released his latest book called Old is the New. The Old Testament is filled with stories that seem amazing on their own, but they also leave questions. If they are history and not part of the new covenant that we have with Christ today, then why do we need these stories at all? What are they for? Could it be that those stories were recorded and saved for us because there is something they can teach us? Could it be that those stories actually help us understand God and the new covenant he has with us? Could it be that somehow those stories guide, teach, and help us understand what God has for us as new covenant believers? And finally, could there be hidden mysteries in these stories that actually give us revelation for today? This new book is available now on Amazon. The podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.